0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Okay, I know it might come as a big surprise, but not all therapists are evil. In fact, now more than ever, there are accessible, effective ways to work on yourself. Whether it's dealing with stress, anxiety, or just getting closer to achieving your goals. That's where BetterHelp Therapy comes in. With access to licensed professional therapy from the comfort of your own space, BetterHelp lets you, and yes, I mean you, make the progress you've always been wanting to make. Its online service is intentionally designed to be extremely accommodating. So no matter the stage of life you're in or where you are in the world, BetterHelp can be a great resource. BetterHelp allows you to set your own preferences, anything from type of therapy to therapist specializations, and they will match you with a therapist that best fits what you're looking for. But don't worry if you don't feel satisfied with the first therapist you're matched with. BetterHelp offers you the option to switch if you don't get that perfect fit on the first try. Want weekly meetings on BetterHelp's secure platform? They got you covered looking for the option to message your counselor 24-7? No problem. Whatever you're working towards, BetterHelp can, well, help. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and listeners of The Eyes get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash theeyes. That's betterhelp.com slash t-h-e-e-y-e-s. Thank you for listening. Let's get to the show. I pulled up to the institute in the dark, stopping 200 feet from the entrance with my headlights off. I walked silent but fast, the crunch of the leaves were drowned out by the hiss of the rain. I moved past the bright lights of the institute, sharp enough to cut through the darkness but not enough to reach me. I circled around to the side of the building where the lights weren't as bright and no one was around to see me, or so I thought. I heard a scraping noise below me. I stepped back and dove behind a fallen tree. A figure emerged from where I was standing not ten seconds before and darted into the pitch-black woods. After another minute, I got up and approached the ground. A large metal trapdoor sat slightly ajar. I lifted the handle and it creaked as the earth opened up into a mossy stone staircase. I took one step into the crypt and strained my ears. I thought I heard a voice, and it was familiar. Then. Mid-step, two hands pulled me off my feet and onto the muddy forest floor. Before I could get a word in, it spoke. I'm not here to hurt you, it said. I know what happened to the Lunar Brothers. I wiped the mud from my eyes as the figure pulled me to my feet. We ran into the woods, jumping across muddy streams and fallen trees that were more moss than wood. We eventually reached a paved road about a mile out, where an old Chevy truck was parked in a ditch. I followed as the figure got into the car and out of the rain. Who are you? I said, the only question I could form with my head spinning. They didn't answer. They pulled off the hood, concealing their face. Sitting in front of me face kicked in dirt but still recognizable, was Kara. Now I knew she was Kara Luna, the sister of the Luna brothers. I know you know who I am, she said in a slight Midwestern accent. You've been working on my brother's case, but there's still a lot you don't know. You deserve some answers. I said nothing and let her continue. My name's Carluna. Me and my brothers grew up in Boulder, Colorado, but have lived together in Norwich since I graduated. My brothers were environmentalists. They heard about New York's animal problems and wanted to do something to help. I was interested in other things, but when we heard about Prosperity, that intrigued me. My brothers got a weird note from some anonymous person saying Prosperity was involved in some sketchy business with pigs in a place called Good Life Butcher. They were confused at first, thought it was just some joke. I definitely wasn't convinced. Why would an institute like that be involved in anything remotely related to these pigs? But my brothers got a few more notes and eventually decided to check the place out. They took a tour of the place but weren't satisfied so they planned to come back at night to check the building. They wanted me to come, to be the driver and keep an eye out. I thought this whole thing was pointless but they were set on this, a stakeout. And if I could keep them out of trouble I thought I might as well go. They went around to the side of the building and they were describing what they saw through their phones as they went. They brought a camera to take pictures of anything suspicious, but they found nothing above ground. They looked around the building for a while without finding anything, and then Felix tripped on a piece of metal and they found a trapdoor. They went inside and walked down a hallway, describing it to me, until they came to a room with a set of locked metal doors. They decided to leave and come back with crowbars and lockpicks, which they didn't know how to use. But they got lucky, and someone opened the door from the inside. They hid behind some crates so they couldn't see who it was, but they said he looked like he was wearing a police uniform. I spoke up. That would be Dr. Klein. He's the- or was the coroner, and an officer in my department, I said. Yeah, could be, Kara said, and then continued. My brother slipped through the doors, and when they got inside, They described it as kind of a laboratory. I was confused. I knew that Prosperity did experiments with people in their main building. Why would they hide another lab below ground? Regardless, Carlos and Felix walked down the halls looking for anything incriminating. They described some odd machines and tinted windows, but they hit the jackpot when they opened a large door into a room they said smelled like rot and death. They continued describing it to me. Inside was a large walkway lined on both sides by cages of pigs. They were separated by thick glass panes, and there were thick vats of black tar hanging over them. There were other rooms with a few scientists studying singular pigs, and my brothers were quick enough to take some pictures and get out of that room before they were noticed. They tried to leave and come back to the car, but you can probably guess what happened next. Um, They went out the way they came through that metal door, but they had to hide in a closet when some people came around the corner. They were too late though, and that's when I lost contact. I knew they were gone. I searched for a camera where their bodies had been found around 28th and Marvin, but I couldn't find anything. That's why I need to get into the institute just now. Get that camera, find the evidence of what's happening down there, and get out. My brothers will have died for nothing unless I do something about it. I wasn't really behind their cause before, but all I want now is to shut this place down. After they died, um, I started getting those same letters from someone that wouldn't reveal themselves. They sent brochures and notes showing me where to go and who was involved. I was scared of bringing this to the police because of the man that my brothers described, who could be your Dr. Klein, but one of the envelopes actually held a letter. And in it, the writer told me to trust a man named Richard Riley. I planned to go deeper into the institute, becoming a patient myself. But if I ever saw you, I knew I would try to contact you and join forces. That's what happened today in the complex. I couldn't tell you what was really going on, so I gave you a hint about the back of the building. Van door, van back, it wasn't the best clue, but it seems like you got it. I need your help, detective. If even people at the police department are in on this, who else is going to help? I understood everything she was saying, and it felt energizing to me that at least one person agreed. We needed to stop this. We need a plan, I said, writing down my address. Come to my apartment, tomorrow. I was sent those letters too. We're going to figure this out. I don't know what's going on with my department in this whole racket, but I know which side I stand on. Your brothers didn't die for nothing. We'll make sure of that. It was time to work. Kara arrived at my apartment the next morning. We eventually agreed that there was only one option. We needed to raid the institute, a heist of sorts. But the risk was greater than prison. It was death. It wasn't going to be easy. Two people had already died doing the exact same thing. But we had knowledge. We knew what we were going into, and we had some ideas about how we were gonna get where we needed to be. We couldn't get caught. That was our first and only checkbox. We had to be careful. These people were extremely dangerous. Heck, even the animals were a risk to our mission. Who knew how erratic those pigs could be? We had to stay clear of anything that had a chance of wrecking our plan. So how would we get in? We needed a distraction. We thought for a while, and eventually Kara remembered something. I told her about the butcher and the pigs being sent to Prosperity, so she figured we could do the exact same thing. If we somehow were able to get at least a couple pigs from Good Life to Prosperity, they could cause some serious panic. The other pigs were being kept underground, so they were extremely valuable, dangerous, or both. If an accident happened that was caused by us, and some pigs escaped from our van, I thought that would be distraction enough to get us inside. So that was step one. Step two was getting into the building, which was pretty self-explanatory. One of us would release the pigs, the other would slip behind the doors in the tunnel when the staff were rushing to address the situation, and the other would run inside, locking the door behind them. Simple. Once we got in, though, it would be a bit trickier. Even though we had a general idea of the place, we'd never been inside. We didn't know what to expect. So, we made it a priority to head straight for any closet to find the camera. We could have gone in and gotten pictures ourselves, but going deeper into the lab was too risky, and if we got the camera, we'd have all we need to convict Prosperity for multiple charges. So we'd find the camera and get out. Easy enough. But every heist is a risk. There was always a chance one of us was going to get caught. But we both agreed it was worth it. This was big. Corruption in the police department, animal abuse, hidden facilities under psychology institutes. If we could help it, this would all come crashing down as soon as possible. We first made our way to Good Life. All we had to do was get three pigs so we could create a distraction without getting caught. Getting the pigs was the easy part. Not getting caught would be much harder. If Good Life and Prosperity were working together and they found out about our heist, no doubt Prosperity would crack down on security and our whole mission would fail. So we had to have a foolproof plan for getting the pigs out of Good Life. Any regular person might have called this an impossible task, but we had one advantage. We knew things, not everything, of course, but we knew something was going on with the Pigs and Prosperity. If we could convince the people at Good Life that we were in on it, our chances of leaving in success would be exponentially higher. So, that's why I went in by myself, in uniform, with no disguise. See, the thing was, is that I knew Doc was in in all of this. He was an officer too, and if he was rubbed up in this, the chances were that another officer was too. So, I'd play the part. Carl would stay in my car until I came out with what we needed. Pigs, and a van to carry them. I walked into the front office of Good Life and went straight to the receptionist who was still as well dressed as ever. You're back, he said, looking up this time. You have an appointment, I presume? Actually, I'm here for a pickup for Prosperity. We need a few more pigs over there and I'm going to need to borrow a van to get them there." Lying wasn't my thing, but I could feel the confidence radiating from me. I felt like I could have actually been there for reasons that I said. W- well the receptionist stammered. This is, uh, unordinary, but if that's what the doctor wants, then I guess we could do it? The doctor. He could have been referring to Doc, or maybe Isabel, the head psychologist. Either way, it didn't matter. The first part of the plan was put in place. I followed the receptionist, who finally introduced himself as Mark, through the main doors and into the facility. There we stood on a ledge overlooking most of the machinery, all unsuspicious, though I couldn't see any pigs yet. There were about twenty workers, all manning their stations and packaging meat products. I tried to make myself look as imposing as possible, though that wasn't much because I wasn't wearing a belt or any scary equipment. We walked through a maze of machines until we reached another room with a sign over it labeled Animal Sections. We passed through the doors and around workers walking the other way who seemed genuinely cheery for a slaughter room. They must have not known what was going on here. Kinda like me. How many pigs do you need? Mark asked as we walked through another doorway. Three, I answered. Four would be too many, and two would just be an annoyance. Mark nodded without turning and continued walking at his annoyingly fast pace. we only have one van available at the moment, but it should work great, he said. He led us into a hallway that led outside. Through a window in the wall, I could see pigs, dozens of them, all bunched together in a huge room. Set aside was a smaller group of pigs, with a small ramp and a metal door separating them from the outside. Those were the pigs I needed. We walked outside, and Mark pointed to a van in one of those loading docks. Drive that over here and I can get some guys to load up the pigs fast, he said, handing me the keys. I didn't hesitate. I got into the van, put it in gear and then backed up to the last loading bay where I'd seen the men get the pigs from two days ago. I almost dropped the keys out of nervousness. My hands were shaking and I could feel my palms sweating. I had to finish this up quick. I backed up and two employees unhinged the back of the van to load the pigs in. I saw Mark tell them something and then look at me, but I couldn't let my nerves get to me. I had to fight paranoia at all costs or it would give me away. Then I felt the truck lurch as three enormous animals stepped into the back. They were just pigs, but man, they were heavy. The workers closed the truck and hit the fender to signal that it was fine for me to leave. When I pulled out of the slot, I only saw Mark and the other employee walking back into the building. Where was the second worker? Paranoia was getting to me again. I shrugged it off and pulled out of the parking lot towards the front of the building. Car had driven down the road a ways so I could pick her up without having to leave my car in the Good Life parking lot. I drove as fast as possible without being suspicious, and then I picked her up as I turned down the road. It all went well? she asked, surprised that something hadn't gone wrong. Yeah, we have the pigs, but I think the guy was suspicious of me. I just walked in there with no explanation. He was talking to some other guys, and I think they suspected me of something. Well, it doesn't matter, Kara said. We have what we need. There's no point in being paranoid. Maybe there is, I said. We drove for ten minutes without any issues, and then we heard a knock at the back of our heads. Is that coming from inside the van? Kara asked. It's probably just the pigs, I said. There's no way it's anything else. The knocks continued, and then a shout. It was more of a scream, but no pig could ever make that noise. Yeah, there's definitely someone back there, Kara said with a start. Shoot, Ah, I saw one of those workers disappear before I left. They must have put him in the back of the van to keep tabs on us, I said, annoyed at myself for not paying attention to my suspicions. Well, what do we do? She asked, turning around to see if she could see through to the trunk. We need to stop, she said. We have to. We're not monsters like them. There's someone in there, and we know he needs help. But we can't risk losing these pigs, I said. It's the only chance we have. We paused, thinking in agreement. What if we just opened the back of the van while we were still moving? Kara suggested. If someone needed to get out that bad, he would jump. There's no chance the pigs would, though. Their survival instincts would keep him in the van. I tried to argue, but there was nothing else I could think of. We would have to do it. Luckily, there was a button that opened the back doors, but it was still a risk. What if the man took a pig with him as he jumped? What if all of the pigs fell out and we had nothing else to go on? It was a risk we had to take. This guy's life was still worth more than what was going on here. We couldn't take it from him. I hit the button and we heard the doors shift open. Then, the yelling stopped. And as we continued down the road, something showed up in the rearview mirror. We were right. There was a man in the back of the van. And he did choose to jump out. One pig, however, decided to chase after him and jumped out of the back of the van too. I forgot that these were psycho pigs. Now we had to work with two. Still, we had something. I pushed the button to close the doors, and we continued down the road. I would say that was a success, Kara said, hopelessly optimistic. Let's celebrate. It might be the last time we can. She pulled out a full chocolate bar from her pocket and began to unwrap it. I brought this because I always get hungry when I'm nervous. I know it's weird, but it helps. I didn't understand her positivity. We lost part of our distraction, and now someone who knew what we were doing was out in the wild. We needed to celebrate later, if we made it out. I shook my head, and she shrugged. We'll need all the energy we can get, she said. As she unwrapped it, another noise came from the back. This time, it was definitely the pigs. We felt the truck lurch, and Cara dropped her chocolate on the floor. Geez, why would they do that? She asked, annoyed. Then it happened again, and again. These pigs were angry for some reason, and we had to figure out why or else they would break through the side of the van. The only thing that had changed was Cara's chocolate. Put that away. Wrap it up. Do something to cover it up, I told her. Why? I'm just eating, she said. Just do it. I want to see if it's the reason why the pigs are going crazy. She picked up the chocolate, wrapped it up, and put it in her pocket. The pigs stopped instantly. Huh. How did you know to do that? The chocolate was the only thing that had changed between the calm and the chaos, I said. I think they're attracted to it somehow. Maybe it makes them angry? I don't know how they would tell, though. I heard somewhere that the pigs can be really good at smelling, she said. Maybe that's it? When they smell chocolate or sugar they get angry? That's so weird. There is no way we could know. I remember the farmers, um, the fishers, mentioning something about the pigs maybe getting angry at the candy. It didn't matter though, and the institute was coming up. We turned onto the long, nicely paved road lined with the small lights and thin trees swaying in the mist. It was starting to get dark and the lights that lined the road cast eerie shadows on the forest in front of us. It's time, I said. We pulled into the back parking lot, the gravel crunching underneath our wheels. You ready? I asked. You know the plan. Let's get in and get out. Nobody sees us, she said. Then she stepped out and ran into the woods. This was no time to risk getting trampled by pigs. I backed the van up to the front of the building and pressed the button to open the doors. Then, I took the phone book that was kept in the glove compartment and opened my door. I could see Jeanette, the receptionist, get up from her desk and walk towards me. Without hesitating, I shifted the van into reverse and dropped the book on the gas pedal. I jumped out as it lurched back, crashing into the front window and making a way for the pigs to make absolute chaos in the wreckage of the entrance. I didn't stick around to see, though. I sprinted around to the side of the building where Kara was waiting. We opened up the secret in-ground doorway and jumped through the passage sprinting to reach the crates where we would hide and wait to get in. We were right. The distraction worked. As we crouched in silence, we could hear the thick metal doors clank open, and then 10 or 15 guards and scientists rushed out to repair the destruction. As the stream of people stopped, we carefully stood up. My knees almost gave out from the nervousness, and my hands shook as we ran through the slowly closing door. It worked. We were in. The Eyes, an audio mystery podcast. Written, recorded, composed, and produced by Ethan Lex. Follow us on Instagram at the__eyes__podcast for news and updates. This podcast belongs to Quandary Creative, a collection of the best podcasts around. Thank you for listening.